0: Coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce.
1: So if you can solve the problem of just one in one million people out there, you don't have to be the next Uber. You don't have to be the next Airbnb. You can find a niche to do this. And so, like, for instance, I had a guy come to me. and He says, I want to do Amazon type lockers and I want to sell them. I said, why do you want to do that? You are like, well, there, you know, I think that's a really great idea, and I and I think that more and more people are going to want these storage lockers and be able to do that. I said, yeah, Amazon's in that business though. Mm-hmm. Why why would you want to do that? And, and he says, well, because I go, why aren't you making the hinges that go on these the these boxes, these yeah. lockers, and why aren't you making the pins that go into the hinges that hold the hinges in there uh, and, and do this? Because there's not a whole lot of competition to the guy making pins that go into lock, you know, hinges yeah. that go onto lockers. And so you're finding it's like, well, that's such a small market. Yes, it is, but you don't have a lot of competition. You can uh, you can create a, a, a better mousetrap. Doing mm-hmm. that, you mm-hmm. can get you can talk to your customer, find out what, why these things are breaking, and you can create something much better for them. And you now, you know, they're not talking about margins anymore. They're talking about whether how many you can deliver. Yeah, and, and such. So yeah, the idea is I'm I'm trying to get them out of you know, don't do something that everyone else is doing.
0: Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Jim Cobb, who is the president of Triad Components Group. Triad is in a very unique industry, a very very niche industry. They're they're part of, I believe Jim said it was a 15 billion dollar industry as a whole. Uh but they provide custom components to their their customers that they can't get anywhere, anywhere else. We get into how Jim really got into this industry and how he's maximized the ability to be able to find out about all of these niche customized products that, or customized situations that his customers actually have. So really, really interesting. We get into some of Jim's philosophies on how he wants to hand over the company to his employees by basically making the the company an employee owned company. So really really interesting if you're if you're in any type of a custom business if you are interested in selling your company to your employees, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss with Jim Cobb.
1: as a young child, you know, I was the oldest of of five. My, my, my parents had, my mom had five kids by the time she was 26. We lived in a small 1200 square foot house. It was four, you know, I had, there was four boys and one girl. And so uh, the four boys slept in two sets of bunk beds in a 12 by 14 room and, and such. So, but so we were really close in, in a lot of ways. But on the other hand, as I got older, found out that my, we grew up near San Francisco and during the, the late 60s and early 70s. So my parents, because of their their age and such, tend to be more of the flower children and such. And found out later that they were pretty much habitual drug users. And my dad was pretty much dealing drugs back wow. then and was, he also was a bookmaker so he was uh, uh one of these people I've just never seen any of the parlay cards that used to be back whenever before it was all legal so he used to but he was a truck driver he's like a ups driver so okay. he he had an uh, opportunity so he would go from one one of his customers was like uh, warner records and he would take a small package of cocaine to one place and take it over to the next guy over to the next record wow. store and things like that so he had that ability to go and and, and do those things and Additionally, when you have five kids, you know, as a parents, young parents, especially, you want to escape. Yeah, and so you sure. really don't want to be with your kids. And yeah, so the, yeah. the, the, the kids, we entertained ourselves a lot. We played games. We mostly, we just went on adventures, which most parents would be arrested for today, besides yeah. the drugs and the gambling. Um, <laughs> There's a side. Yeah. Well, you know, I was seven years old and I had some friends that lived in the, about on the other end of the development that we lived in. Which is about three miles away. So here's a seven-year-old walking to his friend's house, three wow, miles away. Three
0: miles. Wow.
1: Through, you know, hills and you know, anything could happen. And yeah. you know, nowadays you ask the kid to go next door to get a cup of sugar, and you know, yeah <laughs> you, you have to have, you know, be able to, to, to see that person all the way. So yeah. So we had this great sense of adventure that we used to go away you know, in the mornings and during the summertime, especially, and go away in the morning and not come home till dinner.
0: Yeah.
1: parents yep. didn't ask where you were. He was, yeah. oh, no, we were out. We were just That's hanging out. Exactly. And, exactly. And we weren't we're, the only folks. You know, my entire almost the entire neighborhood was the same way. So yeah. we just go to the sand lot and you know play baseball or we, you know, just find ways to amuse ourselves. If,
0: yeah. If nothing else. Well, I'm sure I'm sure with you know having that much exposure to independence at such a young age, you know, that that probably helped foster that, you know, that sense of independence. In you that you have today, you know, in the, on the entrepreneurial side of things, wouldn't you agree?
1: Absolutely. And in fact, that's what I try to give my, my kids, you know, as they were growing up. And, you know, I, once again, I didn't want to be arrested for, yeah. you know, uh,
0: <laughs> you didn't for, work for, for UPS, for, I take it, right?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Although I've done a variety of uh, stupid jobs. And what's uh, <laughs> part of the also the independence was that, we, you know, we were on food stamps, mm-hmm. we were on assisted lunches, but so was everyone else in our neighborhood. We, yeah. we came from a very, you know, I, would, I when I, I'm being liberal, when I say it was working class, it was lower, it was, it was upper or lower class neighborhood. And okay. it was, a. Uh, I I went to a trade school for high school where kids were not expected to go to college mm-hmm. at all. Out of 250 kids that graduated, we had about a dozen or so that went off to a four-year college. Oh, and wow. Maybe about another 75 or 80 that went to a local community college. And then maybe yeah. a couple of those went on to a four-year college. Yeah. So... It was, but I could arc weld at 14 and mm-hmm. I could, you know, settling gas torch at 14. And I can bend tin, and I can be a machinist by the time I was about 16. And so, mm-hmm. but there was no chemistry classes you can take. There was no physics classes. There was yeah. uh, the maximum amount of uh, of math you could take was up to trig. So that, that was about it. And so wow. it was very, that's what you were expected to do was being in the trades, carpenter yeah. or or a mechanic, or something like that, or a roofer, or something. And yeah. a lot of almost all my friends are, are in the trades yeah. in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Oh. That's that's similar. After I graduated high school, I didn't go to college either. I I joined an electrical contracting company and started an apprenticeship program. You know, in in uh, electrician or as an electrician. So you
1: you would have been one of my friends. I was actually yeah. one of the twelve that went off to school.
0: Wow, wow. So, so what uh, did you what did you uh, what did you study in school? What was your your thing that you gravitated toward?
1: Well, it was business. Well, first of all, I wanted, I wanted to be a a record uh, engineer. Okay. So I couldn't get into that department. It was impacted. I went to San Diego State because it was the, that, absolutely the furthest point. I had one goal in mind uh, as I was growing up through high school, and that was how to get out of San Bruno. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't care. I just wanted to get out of that town and get away from my parents, get away from everyone and everything about that yeah. thing. So. I had to go somewhere far, so I went to San Diego State, and which was the farthest in-state place away from the Bay Area. Yeah, and so I, I was a I couldn't get into the telecommunications and film, so I ended up as a business major. Did that for two years, was on the dean's list for two years, and realized after I had a job, kind of in a boiler room uh, type of an operation, trying to sell paper to companies mm-hmm. that. And it was a total scam that I needed something a little bit more. So I said, well, I'm pretty good in math. I've never taken a physics class. I've never taken a chemistry class. So I'm going to enroll in the engin- electrical engineering department, electronic engineering. Okay. okay. And I'm going to become an inter- a chip maker. Yep. Uh, you know, so I went from being on the dean's list three semesters, three out of four semesters to almost dropping out, but it's not dropping out, but failing out, yeah. busting out yeah. because I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any of the background. To, to do any of this stuff didn't have the math and it, so I had to start with calculus and and all those other kind of things so it was a struggle for the next four and a half years mm-hmm. uh, to get me out went to summer school went to winter sessions you know just repeating classes in the summer that mm-hmm. I failed during the, the so so I ended up with an electronics engineering degree in what's called VLSI very large-scale integration systems and so, but I never, ever, ever wanted to do that. All I wanted mm-hmm. to do was do technical sales. Okay. And and so it's really hard to be motivated when you have no desire. no desire to do that. Yeah. Kind of becoming like becoming a finance major because you want to because you want to open your own company. You know, yeah. doing something else. So that was really wasn't my motivation. But I got a really cool job right out of school, in uh, in an international uh, firm. So this is 1985. And so they sent me all over the world, I got a chance to go to Africa, the wow. Europe before the wall was down Middle East all the way over to India. And it was great experience for a 24 year old kid or 23, whatever old I was at the time. And so it was a great, it was a great experience to, yep. to be able to go do that kind of stuff.
0: Was this on the technical sales side of things? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, yeah
1: I was selling. Um, basically power uh, power protection products like okay. UPSs you know like when you pull yep. you know when when you lose your computer so it doesn't go down yeah so this has been on the forefront and but traveling internationally in those days you had all paper tickets there was no internet yeah. there was no cell phones there was no credit cards really yeah had, i had traveler's checks that i would take and and use over there and it would sounds glamorous but because I, it's not like I'm going to go to, let's say, Saudi Arabia for two weeks and hang out there. Yeah. It wasn't. It was like I'm in Saudi Arabia for two days and then I'm in Jordan for a day and then I'm in Syria for a day and then I'm in Lebanon for a day. Actually, I didn't make it to Lebanon, but and then over to Cyprus so I can throw back my, uh, my, my passport because I had a separate passport just to go to Israel. Oh, wow. Um, and because you couldn't get a visa to go into the Arab countries at that time. Okay. And the fact, okay. that it was apartheid. If I needed to go into South Africa, I had a separate passport for that one as well.
0: Wow, that's cool. So, so you navigated all of those. And I can't imagine, you know, we, we we take it for granted today, but like navigating how to get to where you needed to go to, like you said, no no cell phones, you didn't have a GPS, obviously. So I can remember going to Seattle before GPS and getting completely lost in Seattle's grid of, uh, nice. of, of uh, streets that, you know, there's four of the same streets in completely different areas of the city. I, I couldn't imagine being, you know, in, a, in another country and not knowing where the heck you're going. How how did you navigate that back then?
1: Well, mostly I had distributors. And, okay. uh, and representatives over there who would pick me up at the airport, take me to the hotel, and then take me around to their customers. I was the, I was the factory expert. I so see. that and so that kind of helped me to build the model that I'm actually using today, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. the, the idea here is you have a, a factory expert who comes in and teaches them how to sell the product. Mm-hmm. And they might have you know maybe 15 or 20 lines that they represent. And so if I can teach them how to use our products effectively, and how to sell our products effectively, then I would be successful uh, mm-hmm. in 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 helping them to sell.
0: Yeah, sure, uh, so. that makes sense. So, so when did you when did you start your first company?
1: So I left that company after about three years, and I went to another company that was manufacturing components uh, for about six or seven years, and they were a big corporation and and just horrible uh, situation there. Mm-hmm. And then while I was actually visiting one of my customers, which was a big multinational. They say, look, could I buy all my product, my components from you already? We would. Uh, what you can really do is help me to find this. Again, it's is pre-internet. This is probably yeah. about 1990 or 1991. No, 1990. And I said, oh, yeah, let me see what I can do. I have a bunch of friends overseas to help yeah. build this up. And this was uh, for for Sony TV. So I was able to help them find something over there because I was got some stuff together. And then somebody else wanted me to help them to find power cords. And I just, I kind of, I was still working for my regular company and. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would work there from, you know, nine to five and I make, you know, they say you can make a living from nine to five, you make a life between five and nine. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and so I was coming home and I was uh, uh, doing the invoicing, I was doing whatever accounting there was, I was doing purchase orders, talking to the people overseas, because on the West Coast, yeah. they don't even get to their office until, you, know, you know, five o'clock our time. Yeah. So then I'm over there, I'm talking to them on the phone, and sending faxes and all kinds of other stuff. So um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, to do that. And so the first year I had this little distribution company going on. We did about $50,000, $60,000 worth of worth of uh, sales, maybe brought in $10,000 with a gross profit. Yeah. And then second year, more and more people started asking me for stuff and I started sourcing stuff for them and it got mm-hmm. to be about a quarter million. And then the third year I'd already hired an employee to, to, to come in and take the orders and be on the phone during the day. So I finally ended up leaving my company after about 2 years. And, okay, so, so you were
0: of, you were still working for someone as you were building all of that for that those first correct. 2 or 3 years, yeah. Okay.
1: Correct. And managing a, an employee and and, yeah. and 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 sales and two different fronts and doing my regular job and it was uh, it was pretty interesting. And then uh, fortunately I was a field salesperson so I can, you know, I, I'm, yeah. my time was my own. I was yeah. working for a company outside of St. Louis. So then I uh, left the company and, and just, and then it continued to just, you know, mushroom. And so to, from 250 to 600 to a million four, and it just went throughout the nineties, it grew to about, about $4 million. Okay. Okay. And, and then it kind of, uh, and then it, then it absolutely cratered one of the things. And I, and I kind of see this analogy today as a matter of fact, but, but the Y2K thing happened at oh, the yeah, end of yeah, the nineties. Yeah. yeah. So all those people were buying things from me and I was I was putting it in my inventory and and the they're ramping up and they can't get enough of it. It's the toilet paper syndrome, right? Yeah. So they just they're they're buying way too much. And then you know, Y2K really didn't happen and 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 the telecoms kind of and the dot-coms blew up, and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of things that just happened simultaneously, the perfect storm. And but the, the bottom line is that I went from about four million dollars in June of 2002. I don't think we shipped $50,000 worth of stuff in wow. by December.
0: Wow. And,
1: and so the, the marble just fell off the table. Yeah. And, and, and because we were so profitable and everything, I said, Oh, this is just a temporary blip. So I yeah. borrowed a bunch of money from the SBA and to keep us going and keep my staff intact and all of this stuff. And, and it never did come back. So it was a yeah. uh, now I was in debt to the tune of right. know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, going to lose my house. Going to, you know, it, it was just, it was all bad. Yeah. You know, throughout the 2000s, and in the meantime, I'd started a couple of other companies. That wasn't necessarily a great, a great thing either. It was just fighting fires on way too many fronts. I, I still don't believe that's a good idea. I, I, I really, really, truly believe that serial entrepreneurs, you know, are well, unless you're serial. If parallel entrepreneurs are horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm i not a I'm not a big fan of multitasking and, and only be, because I don't I don't think it works.
0: Yeah, no, completely agree. Completely agree. So when would you say that you, you know, it, it sounds like from 2000 to maybe 2010 ish, mm-hmm. that it was pretty tumultuous up and down, you think you're maybe on the right track. And, you know, the, the the rug gets pulled out from under you again. How many how many times did you have to, you know, crash, you know, before you finally started? You know getting everything sort of solidified and you know this is the path that we're going to use to to move forward with
1: it was always the same story it was, but, okay, so I talk about this stuff and, and I heard you you interview someone the other, like you said, I've l- listened to a lot of these things and you were talking about the hunters versus the farmers.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, so here's my my take on the fact, sometimes I just want to yell in the in the, in the microphone. No, I love it, I love speaker. it. <laughs> so we have a guy talking about hunting and I think hunting is one of the worst ways to run a business, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, unless you're doing it. So I equate it to, to, to farming and I'll, I'll explain about hunting later on. So there's three types of farming out there. Mm -hmm. there's the type of farming that basically is one seed one plant like think about carrot farmers you put a seed in the ground you a few weeks later you get a you get a plant you eat the Mm -hmm. plant you got to go plant another seed because you don't have any more food left you ate it off yeah so you get so that would be like um, a real estate agent you get a house you sell the house or you get a listing you sell the house you got to go find another house yeah (laughs) or another buyer or something like that so that's that call those carrot farmers And then you have, I call it the tomato farmers. So the tomato farmers, one seed, multiple fruits. This Mm -hmm. is maybe like a subscription model that Mm -hmm. allows you to then, you know, have some, eat a little bit for several weeks, months, even. You can eat off that same tomato plant, but eventually that subscription model is probably, someone's going to say, oh, there's something better over on the other side and I'm not going to, and they lose that customer and they go somewhere else. You got to go find another customer. And then there are the apple farmers and the apple farmers start in the first year, they get no apples. They, put, mm-hmm. they, have a, they have a little 18 inch, an 18 inch tree, and they don't have any apples. And the second year, they maybe now have something that's, that's three feet high and still no apples. And, then, mm-hmm. and And then maybe they get a bunch of cherry apples and a pail of apples and then a bushel of apples and then three bushels of apples and then 10 bushels of apples. And year after year after yeah. year produces apples. That's the businesses that I've always been involved with and, and want, want to work with. And so I encourage all my mentees that I work with that, you know, find a business that's, that's, that's an apple tree, mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. lock the people in for a long, long time, that your, your relationships can keep them coming back for more and more and more and more and, more and, try, to, and try to make that work. Uh, for that business, hunting is, is kind of like uh, carrot farming, but mm-hmm. it's even worse because I know when I put a seed in the ground, I know where that seed is. I know where that 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 right. that like carrot's going to be in 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 eight weeks or whatever it is. And hunting, you have no idea where whether or not you're going to uh, you're going to find food. Just go to the what, what I forget that there's there's a Discovery Channel thing I've seen on. Um, called naked and afraid oh yeah where, yeah, yeah where some, these are like experienced naturalists that go out and they can't hunt for nothing yep yep <laughs> and these are people <laughs> who know what they're doing and and so I, I I can't imagine so they come back day after day without finding any food yeah and so like I said at least the carrot farmer
0: knows that they've got they know where it is yeah yep yep and, so- and they come up So, so you mentioned like your mentees, what were, what would be, I guess, some characteristics, uh, you know, I completely understand the analogy of the, the apple farming, but are there, are there certain businesses or certain characteristics that you teach or that you, you tell people to, to, you know, pay attention to, you know, and again, the, the, the apple tree is a great analogy, but I guess maybe just even, you know, getting a little bit more specific as far as, you know, what types of businesses would you suggest that, that people get involved in? All right. Well, here's here. Let me
1: let me preface this by the the very first. Whenever I meet a new mentee, for I, I do a lot of mentoring with entrepreneur students over at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. It's not very far from my office, and and I do so. I've got currently three over there right now that I work with and plus a lot of so this is the same thing I say to them if you can do something if you're over in China and you can do something that only one in one million people can do you can Mm -hmm. touch your tongue to your ear you can memorize 400 numbers you can have a vertical leap of 60 inches one in one million people can do this congratulations Mm -hmm. there's 1300 other people just in China who can do exactly the same thing you can do and in the world there's 7,000 people So if you can solve the problem of just one in one million people out there, you don't have to be the next Uber. You don't have to be the next Airbnb. You can find a niche to do this. And so like, for instance, I had a guy come to me and he says, I want to do Amazon type lockers and I want to sell them. I said, why do you want to do that? You're like, well, you know, I think that's a really great idea. And I, and I think that more and more people are going to want these storage lockers and be able to do that. I said, yeah, Amazon's in that business though.
0: Mm-hmm. Why,
1: why would you want to do that? And, and he says, well, because I go, why aren't you making the hinges that go on these, the these boxes, these yeah. lockers? And why aren't you making the pins that go into the hinges that let's sort hold the hinges in there uh, and, and do this? Because there's not a whole lot of competition to the guy making pins that go into lock, you know, hinges yeah. that go onto lockers. And so you're finding it's like, well, that's such a small market. Yes, it is, but you don't have a lot of competition. You can uh, you can create a a, a better mousetrap doing mm-hmm. that. You mm-hmm. can get you can talk to your customer, find out what why these things are breaking, and you can create something much better for them. And now yeah, you know, they're not talking about margins anymore. They're talking about whether how many you can deliver. Yeah, and, and such. So yeah, the idea is I'm I'm trying to get them out of you know don't do something that everyone else is doing don't open a restaurant
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: there's a lot of people who open restaurants and most of them are successful or, or not successful depending on how you look and but they get burnt out and and and, and just making doing another commodity doesn't really help but if you were able to create something and find a niche that nobody is being underserved mm-hmm. you know don't be a pharmaceutical company but figure out how to make a better bottle to put them
0: in yeah, that makes sense. Uh, or better,
1: better distribution, or distribution system or something.
0: Yeah, and you you mentioned you know Jeff well Amazon Jeff Bezos right you sure. know you know I, I still remember when all that they sold was just books you know and they got to be the best at selling books and then look what happened with with Amazon so you know completely agree being able to focus in on one specific thing and get the best be the best at that thing then you know that'll ultimately springboard you into to other you know other uh, opportunities. All of our products
1: are our niche. I mean, no mm-hmm. one wakes up in the middle of the night and says, and first of all, you didn't ask me what I do, but we're, we're manufacturing." We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we um we manufacture fuses, circuit breakers, and um and switches. Okay. Again, you don't wake up in the middle of the night saying, "I want to be a fuse salesman." Yeah. It it's it just you know, there's not a bunch of people who uh do that Woody Allen thing when they get up in front of the room and say, you know, I I I this I want to be a fireman. You know, so we we laugh at that because because of that, but we, we attempt to find niches. And then when we have focused on that niche and focused on that distribution center, and and, then we can become a Jeff Bezos. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter what we push through the system anymore. Once Mm -hmm. we've perfected the system and and make this, and we're not going to perfect it, but we're just going to continue to
2: make it better. Vertis technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today.
0: So, so did your, your uh, engineering background, your electrical engineering background, did that lead you into that, that market of you know, producing the fuses and switches and all of that?
1: No. Well, yes and no. I mean, I got the job originally. That was, I told you there was a job in between the UPS manufacturer and, and this was a company that was selling fuses and the fuse industry is a duopoly. So I tell people, think of Everready, think of Duracell. Now tell me the third battery manufacturer. Energizer? That's everready
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Is there? Yeah. I mean. So, so my point is we're the third guy. Okay. Okay. In Got a duopoly.
1: It. So think of Fujifilm and think of Kodak film, if you're old yeah. enough to, you know, film. Yep, yep. Name, name me the third guy. And so we're the third guy. Okay. And so we feast off the crumbs of those other guys. I see. Because we're, we're willing to do things that they're never, they will never do for their customers. Yeah. And, yeah. We, and we do those things. And so we've grown, you know, one of those companies is a $2 billion company. The other one's about a million, a billion five. Wow. And we're, and we're $12 million. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so, and you know, so that's the reason why we've been able to grow. Once we prove ourselves to these customers that we're growing apple trees, yep. So they don't yep. want to give us the first shot, but you know, we put a seed in the ground, we sell them something that they have a problem with, then they say, well, you know, these things aren't so bad, they are, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and by the way, you can do this, and so we continue to grow our companies into apple trees, uh, our customers into apple trees, and, and to a point where they can't live without us now. Yeah. We're doing custom stuff for them. We're doing all kinds of stuff for them that, that, that big guys just won't do.
0: So, so what, what types of like custom projects, like what, what, what would be a, an application that you would uh, you know, be able to help somebody with?
1: Okay, let me I'll give you a great example so there's a company down in Texas that basically makes tractor trailers that wants okay. to install a UPS, or a, a GPS system so they okay. want to be able to find track those things ever. so a standard fuse holder in order to, you need a fuse in order to power this thing up so yep. a standard fuse holder has a piece of wire that's four inches on each side okay. I go down there one day and I see that they have a fuse holder but in order to get to the, to the power box it's about an extra I don't know a yard away three three feet longer so they're okay. taking that that standard fuse holder splicing on another three foot piece of wire on it adding a butt splice in there crimping it down and then sending it putting a little ring terminal on the end of it and then putting it together i walked in yeah. and said like that's stupid why don't you just buy a fuse holder with 40 inches of wire on it
0: yeah yeah uh, with, the, with the ring on it
1: with the ring on it and, I, and they said well it doesn't exist i said why yeah. doesn't it exist we'd do that <laughs> And so, oh, and do you guys do them in different color wires? Hell yeah, no yeah. problem. Yeah. Oh, can you insert the fuse inside of it already so we can just preload it and just take it out of the box and, and install it? Yeah. yeah, no problem. And so here's the interesting thing. So we were selling a fuse holder to them that was, that you know, we had a cost of it, you know, roughly 40 cents, and we're mm-hmm. selling it for roughly 80 cents. Mm-hmm. And by the time they were doing all their stuff to it and sending it out and getting it all produced and such, it was costing them $5. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they were sending it out and bringing it back. And in front, we were able to produce this you know, at a minimal amount of cost. I think we took a 40 cent cost and made it 75 cent cost. Yeah, We're selling it to them for $3. They're saving $2 a piece. They're getting a better product. Yeah. And, and, and we've just increased our profitability from 40 cents to a dollar and a half. Yeah. On the, on the same opportunity, the only people that you know are, are out the thing are are the, the 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 contract manufacturer that used to build this for them. Yeah. Uh, they, they actually they did it in house. So this was a, a project that was doing I don't know 2,500 pieces a month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you
1: multiply that, and and now when they try to go out there and try to replace us for yeah. doing this, Nobody we're now can... the standard. No yeah. one can. No one wants to do
0: it. Now That's I'm sure really someone could do it. So yeah. so obviously you wouldn't you wouldn't have known that that was an issue unless you actually went out to your customer and saw what they were doing and you had the wherewithal to say hey you know why you know why why are you going through all these extra processes these extra steps have you have you found a way to be able to to figure that out or or find those little things without actually having to go out and and you know because you know people don't know what can be done because that's the way they've always done it before in the past. So I guess having the wherewithal again, to be able to know that there is a better way to be able to do what you guys are taking so long to do. So I guess, again, the question is, is there a way to be able to identify where those holes or those issues might be lying without having to physically go out there and, and, you know, talk to the people to, to realize that there is an opportunity there. Does that make sense?
1: Totally. So you just, you just, you fed me a great line. So that's why oh, this, uh, I'm sitting here smiling on the other <laughs> thing. I know this is not a, a video thing, but so here, here's the thing. We knew a long time ago, there was no way we can go out there and, and look at millions of customers, potential right. customers out there. So what we did early on, as we said, we can't created, again, we have to zig whenever we would we, call it um, contrast and compare. Mm-hmm. And so we can't be like those other billion dollar companies. So we have to do something different. So we decided we were only going to sell through authorized distributors. Mm -hmm. And we were going to spend all of our time and energy and focus in training, just like I did overseas, training those guys out there. And so we, our field salespeople are just there really to manage. And and you don't manage people, you lead people. But the the idea here is you, we're just there to train those people to look for those opportunities. And so now we have about 600 or so authorized distributors around the United States. And each one of them have you know two or three salespeople, and each one of them have 50 to 100 customers each. And so now mm-hmm. they're out looking for those opportunities uh, like there's no tomorrow. So now I've got this the, these, these Dobermans out there looking for yeah. these opportunities that they know nobody else, out, you know, the two incumbents that are out there can't service these
0: markets. So they're- That is they're, so interesting.
1: They're super hungry, going out there looking and bird dogging all these projects for us. Yeah, and and so that's so our goal is to get these guys up and trained. We don't sell anything direct to a, a fa- you know a factory that's actually using the product, which mm-hmm. is also has a lot of other problems. Because if if you're a factory and you're you're an engineer at a factory and such, and you say, oh great, I, we want to buy your product, your your OptiFuse product. Seems like so, well, we can't sell them to you. Mm-hmm. You have to go buy them from an authorized distributor, mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, we, but we want to buy them from you. We're going to buy a lot."
0: Yeah. And we said, "Yeah,
1: I don't care how many you buy, uh, yeah. because that's our that's our brand promise to the distributors, and that's why the distributors came on board with us to say we trust you." That's yeah. well, at the end of the day, we're selling is trust. Yeah. You know, we sell products that are supposed to be insurance. You know, fuses open up because there's a problem. Right. Uh, circuit breakers open up in your house. You don't want to burn down your house. So your circuit breaker opens up. Yep. And yep. and so we have product that protects people and equipment. And so we feel really, really good about what we do and what we sell. And, and so we're, we're out there promoting trust amongst uh, amongst these guys. One of the reasons why we we're, we're haven't been able to bring on as many customers as we want, because they said, well, we're really used to the incumbents in there. That they, they have a product that works. Why do we want to change it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, we, that's been how it's, it's the fear of changing to our customer sure. base. Again, yeah. it's a multi-billion dollar company, uh, a marketplace, and and we do millions, you know, yeah. we, we could be doing a lot more,
0: but yeah, you know, we, we've
1: truth. been growing. We've actually, we've been on the, the Inc 5,000 now, seven years in a row.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Very Thank cool. Thank you.
1: And we were financial times, London financial times, 477th. Fastest growing company in, in Americas, all all Americas, and and in 2017 we were actually Forbes magazine listed us as uh, best 25 small companies in in, in America.
0: Oh, incredible! That's and no one's cool. even heard of us. Yeah, that's incredible. So, who are your main customers? Is it all around like automotive, or is there are there other like? residential type applications or what would you say your main, your main customer base is
1: Um, about 75% of our business is automotive things that run on a battery. Okay. If think of it that way. And then about twenty-five percent are things you plug into the wall. We don't do anything that basically from the wall socket all the way back to the utility company, we don't really work with any of that product. Okay. Okay. So it's not electrical, like you were saying you were you're a journeyman electrician. Yep. Yep. We don't we don't do anything okay. out there with, with those with those guys. we we leave those up to those two big incumbents. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, to to and if you're electric you said you're an electrician, so you know you've probably heard of bus fuse or a little fuse or something yep. like yep. that.
0: Absolutely. So, Absolutely.
1: So so those are um, pretty interesting so we do that and and but about and the reason being for the um the automotive or it's kind of had gravitated towards the automotive a little bit more is because there are not as stringent ul requirements Ah, uh, so because uh, it's, it's low voltage yes yeah, you know right it's 12 volts in your car or or uh, hybrid it's a little bit higher voltages and stuff so
0: yeah no, that makes uh, sense
1: yeah so that's that's what we do
0: very cool so what were what were some of the i guess the initial challenges that you had getting that type of a business set up because again I imagine you know getting your your first distributors and your first you know reps on board with this was that was that a difficult task to do that or did you have enough people that you knew you know in the industry that you had I guess a rolodex of people that you're able to tap into to to, to offer that.
1: That's what I thought when I started the business. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and so I ended up starting the fuse business after the distribution business about 10 years later when, when everything just went the heck in a handbasket for the distribution business because of the everything I talked about before. So we started a fuse business to compete with those other guys. And it wasn't a really good time to start a new business up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it took us 10 years to get those seeds and those wow. apple trees yeah. going we had, I guess, we did a lot of different things to, you know, we, we created a, uh, some marketing to really get the distributors on board and get those guys trained, and then it was me crisscrossing the country and and uh, uh, our sales manager crisscrossing the country, mm-hmm. spending a lot of time in front of these these distributors doing lunch and learns and and all kinds of other That's things right. that we had to do and. And then we hired our first salesperson, and then we hired two, and then we hired three all at one time. And, and so they gave them all a, a geographic territory. So they're yeah. out doing those same things. But even then, it's it's difficult. It's really really difficult to find great salespeople, and and we pay them really well. Mm-hmm. But we almost because we can't take people from the industry because they just don't understand how we do yeah. things in our culture. And we have we're very. Culture and, and values-driven company, mm-hmm. and so we um, we have a situation where we only hire new college graduates. Okay. And so again, they're not looking to sell fuses and circuit breakers. They're, yeah. They're looking to go work for Google. Yeah. And so it has been really difficult, even though you know my top salespeople make two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a year
0: wow. Six year. wow. Six
1: years out of school. Yeah. And so the opportunities are endless. For for these guys, we've set it up to, to do almost so they can build a business within a business type yeah. of a thing. So yeah. it's not quite franchise, but it but it.
0: And, it's and a, it's what, what would you what would you say? Like you said, they they all want to go and work for Google. The people that have come and worked for you, was there is there something, you know, something that sort of stood out with them, with their personality or anything like that? That they that they gravitated more toward this than, you know, what a typical you know young person would would go and you want to join the tech companies or what have you?
1: The number one thing that they have is they have an innate curiosity, just like you, you know, we talked
0: about that before. It's like, you you have to
1: want to know what, what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. What are they hoping to achieve? You know, what would they like to see in the product? That's not there. Yeah. And understanding it, have enough uh, personality to go out there and, and convince somebody that you're, here we want to take you to there and how can we create a plan to to actually do that so they're creative they're they're inquisitive they're and they're entrepreneurialistic to a certain extent as well they they know if they work really hard they they can actually do really really well for themselves yeah on that but they also want to be a part of a values-based company and we're we're very much that we believe in you know a lot of the different things that we're working with and um uh, integrity and learning and and we, we're really big in uh, to communication and, and having great fun we really believe in giving back to our community we do that you know with the mentoring with with other things and with food projects that we're doing we have a we've adopted a uh, we're very close to the border of course here mm-hmm. in San Diego so mm-hmm. we have an orphanage down in Takati that we we support a little bit and and do stuff with them as well uh, clothing drives and, uh, and other things like that and so mm-hmm. They like that. Yeah. These are all things that speak to young people, you know, millennials and Gen Zs and things like this to come out and, and, and join us and, and be a part of something really special that they can grow. And then about two years ago, I decided to sell the company to the employees through an ESOP. Oh, wow. So they will own the whole thing. Yeah, uh, lock, stock and barrel. And in about 12 to 15 years, they'll, they'll own everything. Wow. And and so, you know, $5 million company that they don't have to open their checkbook at all, it's just given yeah. to them. Yeah, and incredible.
0: And, yeah. So, so how does that work from your perspective? I mean, are you is there any kind of a buyout for you? Or is it essentially that's your that's your retirement plan? You know, when. You know when it's when the buyout happens or when that transfer happens what how did how does that work
1: so we did day? a we did. i mean it's the whole other podcast altogether yeah, on, sure on, yeah on esops but the uh, the way the esops work is most companies will have a 401k okay and so they'll the company will contribute a certain amount of dollars based on their savings plans here and so we take those same dollars based on um our um, our compensation and we put that into a trust Okay. And so the company contributes money into the trust, the trust uses the money to buy my stock.
0: I see. I see. That makes so sense. So
1: it's so then so the company through its and then we get a tax deduction for those and then I don't pay taxes because it's an ESOP on the uh, on the gains from the sale. Yeah. Interesting. I defer defer taxes. So yeah. it's a, it's a it's a 1042 exchange. Okay. And so there ESOPs I think are really gaining momentum because there's it's not a taxable event to the owner. Yeah. Uh, if you do things right, and yeah. I can set it up in tranches, so I start out with twelve percent, and then add another eighteen percent. Yeah. So, and, so as they can pay for the stock, I'll contribute a little bit more, and, they, and they'll pay for it. Yeah. Along the interesting. way, interesting.
0: That is really it's a, cool.
1: It's a great program, and so these guys hopefully are going to all be, you know, by the time it's all said and done, multimillionaires just by yeah. the the fact that they have uh, they have they own the company.
0: Yeah. And the cool thing
1: about it for the owner also is on an ESOP company is you never have to, if I sell it to a PE company, I I lose control day one. mm -hmm. And they want me to pound sand and kick me out the door. That's fine. It's their company. They can do whatever they want. Here, the board still runs, you know, so the board basically appoints a trustee for the Mm -hmm. trust. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the trustee then votes the board in. So it's somewhat symbiotic yeah. in that regard. And yeah. the board then appoints a president who, who right now is me. Is you, yeah. And so as long as I control the board, as long as I can, you know, then I can be present for as long as I want yeah. and I can continue to keep the culture going
0: that is really interesting I, and I, I like that i like that as a way to be able to, to attract your talents and and you know the, the people that are coming to work for you and yeah you still control everything that is really cool i i've i've I've, uh, I've not looked into that before so yeah kudos it to you. is
1: really cool but it doesn't it hasn't really worked so it's really good about keeping people here I went out to virtually a bunch of career fairs and everything had one person who was actually ready to go. She quit a day before she was going to, to stay really? with us. Yep. Wow. Um, and so I have yet to be able to find I, I had, I don't know, four or five different openings, and all four, four or five of them are still open.
0: To wow. This day. Wow.
1: So, no, I, I can't, I can't get, I, I go on to Handshake, which is the college platform for all yeah. this stuff. So I went out to about 200 different campuses and, and posted three different jobs and maybe, maybe, maybe I got 10 applications.
0: Wow. Wow. So, so people aren't even really interested, even, you know, even though that they can be, they can be owners. Not at all. Wow. huh?
1: Not, at least not, not, not college seniors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is really, really interesting. So
1: it's it's, hmm. it's, and it's not because they're not getting paid. They're, yeah. they're all getting paid. But this we're not, we're not Google. We're not yeah. Cutwater Spirits. We're not, you know, sales, whatever, you know, whatever public company you've heard in the news, yeah, we're not them. Yeah. And and no one wakes up in the middle of the night saying, I want to be a few sales."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What, what would you say? What's next for you guys? Do you have anything else that's that, that you have planned on the horizon? So I'm also a big
1: Person into discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my, I have a little thing on my wrist here, and so the two buzzwords I use and live my life by are, are discipline and gratitude. Okay. Um, and so I'm really grateful for everybody in my life, and and I think it was Isaac Newton who says, I can see so far because I'm standing on the the shoulders of giants that went before me.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: so, but the discipline of not doing something else, stay focused on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I've got a five dollar market why would I divert my any of my attentions to anything sure. else uh, besides growing what I have in front yeah. of me I'm not I'm not a serial I'm I I, I it's not even a serial entrepreneur you know serial entrepreneur might be someone who leaves one thing and starts something else and yeah. I respect those guys it's the parallel guys who will get bored with whatever it is that they're doing I love what I do and I and yeah. I and I and I can't uh I love coming to work every day I, I came to work a couple times this 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 past this weekend, weekend, yeah, and everything, and so it was. Uh, I love what I do, and I and I and I and I love the people I work with. That's the best thing about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, is I get to choose everyone I work with, mm-hmm. and and so I've got an incredible staff here, about twenty-one people now, and it's it's an incredible staff that that I that I work with. I used to call ourselves the Island of Misfit Toys, but they didn't like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
0: that's funny. That's yeah, well, I'm not a misfit. And was like, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you could start singing the whole song right there. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. That's funny. Um, well, Jim, if people want to learn more about you or your company, where would be, or how would be the, the, the best way to be able to do that? The best way to get, is just
1: probably email me at uh, uh, Jim K at triadcomponentsgroup.com. Uh, jimk at triadcomponentsgroup.com. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, you know, if, if they know, if they have a son or a daughter that want to join a company uh, that are mm-hmm. looking to graduate and they're I'm uh, looking for all sorts of majors, you don't have to, be, in fact, I don't hire engineers. Zero okay. of my salespeople are engineers. Okay. So I want to make that really, that point as well, that almost all of them are business majors. And we'll have one who's a hospitality major who couldn't get a job last year and she's just yeah, killing sure. it.
0: Yeah, she, really?
1: She's absolutely just killing it right now. So that's great. Um,
0: and, and any geographic location? Will they, can you?
1: Um the two two areas that I have open. Well, I have three open right now. One's in the southeast United States, one's in the Pacific Northwest, and one's in eastern Canada. Um and what they'll do is they'll come to San Diego for about a year. uh, I know, twist your arm. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) Terrible. The hard part is getting them to leave.
0: Yeah. And then going back. (laughs) Send them back up to Canada. Yeah, send them back up
1: to Canada, (laughs) exactly. But they um then they will be required to to go back into their territory and mm-hmm. and spend time there. We want to you know, engulf them in, and and come out here for a year just to spend time with the company. And there's a lot of stuff that they need to learn. We spend a full year of training w- with our with our salespeople because there's a lot of it's. We call it drinking from a fire hose.
0: Yeah, there's,
1: there's all kinds so of much stuff. Yeah, we have about twelve thousand SKUs. Oh uh, wow! Of, wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty monumental task to learn a, a, about applications. We teach them all about car wiring diagrams and, yeah. and, and everything. So it's a, it's, it's really an interesting thing. So we spend a lot of money and a lot of time before, you know, growing that apple tree. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, so it worked out well. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's one of those things where we have, we're constantly looking. So if you have, know somebody, if you have uh, someone who's, who's Son is going to graduate or daughter who's going to graduate. Yeah, three out of the four people we have today in the field are, 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 are women. So it's, we, we, in fact, out of our management team, in fact, out of our whole, whole about half the people here are women and, and, and men. And mm-hmm. then we have, we speak about eight different languages. So we have oh, a wow. lot of immigrant people who work yeah. here as well and, and, and who, who speak all kinds, you know, Korean, Chinese. Spanish. Our, our chief marketing. We're an international company because we have, yeah. our manufacturing is done in Taiwan, but our our marketing, our chief marketing officers in Spain, Bilbao, Spain. So we're wow. constantly doing zooms and and, yeah. and and so this whole idea about working from home was not foreign to us whatsoever. Yeah.
0: and we yeah, were actually pretty, able to thrive. Yeah, you guys were doing that well before last year, I would assume. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we were we were this year we're just it's just off the rails fast. You know, yeah. we normally average about twenty twenty five percent every year of growth, and then like this year's it's like eighty percent growth or wow.
0: something. wow wow so, well that's great congratulations
1: thanks thank you very much
0: very uh, cool.
1: but again, I can't take all the credit for it i I've, I've just got this incredible team around me yeah that, that, that if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow or I, I go off to Europe to to go cycling to go on for your a bike once. ride yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have, I have, I can do that because I've got a just this amazing team around me.
0: Yeah. To, and that's, that's what it's so all about amazing. is like you said, you get to pick and choose the people that you work with and being able to place them in their right, in the right position so that you can go and go cycling. Exactly. Europe, and, so.
1: and, and that's, what's really cool. And, and, and in fact, I tell, I, I, I say this all the time uh, there and I think this is the Tony Shea model here that, that he wants to train his people and keep them engaged. And, so I, I tell people, you know like I've never fired anyone for making a bad decision. I've only mm-hmm. fired people f- or let people go for for not making any decisions at all.
0: Uh, yeah, you that makes you sense. are
1: required to make decisions. You are yeah. required to to help the customer in any way you can. Yeah uh, uh, so and all the other conditions. so a lot of people just talk about customers. I've just talked about customers here, but the fact is we have there's four groups of people that we work with. You know we have customers, but we also have great vendors, and
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: we want mm-hmm. them to succeed, and we want to be their we, we want to be their best customer. And then of course we have the employees. That's a whole another group of people that we want to make happy and, and 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 become engaged with, and and such. And then we have our community. We mm-hmm. have professors over at, at San Diego State that we do projects with, and we who can you know and and, and give back to the food bank and 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 the, the pastor who runs the orphanage down in a down down in Takati. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. These are all people that are all part of our, our community and all the people that we want to engage with and yeah. create relationships and with.
0: It, yeah, it's interesting that you you call that out. So so we also do um, what's called a decision hierarchy, where we in in the real estate side of things we base our decisions based on, you know, where they kind of land in order of importance, if you will. So like for us, community is number one above any one member of the community. And then, you know, you you basically go through all the stakeholders that you, that you have contact with. And I mean, you know, us, our families, you know, are part of those stakeholders and where do they land on, you know, decisions and down to the regulators, which the regulators, I think are right down at the very bottom, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, that, that, like just being able to work through and understand, okay, you know, where are, where is this, this situation in order of importance in you know how we place those decisions that you know it's important to be able to do that and it's important to be able to you know recognize you know all the different players that you touch you know in your in your business so
1: absolutely and you have vendors you know if if, if one of your tenants or stakeholders has a has something a drain that's backed up yeah. you need to make sure that that they get serviced and, yep, and exactly. such. and you want to make sure you have a good enough relationship with that plumber that they're going to put you on the top of the list to, co- to exactly. get over there and and, and and help you out. And yep, so, exactly. and so treat them well yep. and, and, and make sure you don't forget, forget those guys. And like I said, regulators and yeah, all the yeah. other, yep, yep. That's, that's you well, or, exactly. and then being able to do give back to the community. Like your podcast is giving back to the community, mm-hmm. you know, it, we, I'm here and you're here, maybe because we, ha- we have an ego or because a message that we want to, but, but it's like you said, it's, it's about passing the secret sauce, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's about helping other people to get through and use other people's stories and experiences to help somebody else yep. transfer or, or get, get through something.
0: Yep. And um, it's, it's amazing too how you know, we've, we've had a number of people that have said, Hey, you know, I heard this, this guy, I've got this situation, you know, would you mind making an introduction, which is another, another great way to be able to you know just connect people and see where things go you know who knows what maybe maybe we'll have somebody who has you know some type of a uh an auto problem that that you can help solve for him so so it's great being able to 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 be that connector
1: we do that all in fact um i came in on saturday morning because there was a navy ship that had blown a fuse in a meter that they needed okay and so i came down here i met some you know whatever semen first class to, yeah. to pick up a couple of fuses. I just gave it to them, you know, yeah. here's how here, I'll just sample you a couple, take what yeah. you need. Yeah. You know, was, if that's going to keep our, you know, our, our, our armed forces up and going yeah. here. Exactly. Here's yeah. my contribution. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you just, you just give back. And, and sometimes you never know when those things are going to come back to you and, but you don't count on them. It's yeah. not, you're exactly. not doing it because it's going to, because it's a, a quid pro quo. Yep. You just do exactly. it because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and so that's kind of the, the cool thing. And you've and I've heard some of your guests. They're, they're they're amazing in a lot of ways, you know. Not all of them. I don't necessarily connect with each of them, but yeah. You've had some very uh, colorful people.
0: Yeah, we've yeah, we've had some great, great people, great connections. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I love I
1: still have about sixty to go, sixty five, sixty three to go oh, still. Go. <laughs> so I'm working my way backwards.
0: I love it. So, I love it. Yeah, it. I love it. It worked no. out really well. So Jim, this has been fantastic. Thanks for the time and, and all the insights into your business and your experiences. Um, you know, I love it and wish you nothing but good luck and success in the future.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate being here. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: No problem. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.